can open up your Bibles or your Bible apps to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse 3. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Are you blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? How do we get it? Our culture has turned the word blessing into such a generic uh, spiritual cliche. You know, hashtag blessed. It's commonly trending. Um, When most people put hashtag blessed on social media, I don't think they're trying to get at the root of what Jesus thought the word meant here. If I'm honest, when most people put hashtag blessed on a post, right, they're often trying to disguise a brag about their family, their finances, or their material comfort as a sign of divine favor. They did a recent Pew survey of Christians in America, and 43% of Christians in America, when asked what blessed means, it meant healthy and wealthy. The prosperity gospel, the idea that God is primarily about making your life here and now comfortable and easy, has infiltrated much of our American thinking about what it means to be blessed. But couldn't blessing be more than having a nicer car, or a bigger house, or a raise, or your kid getting straight A's so you can brag about it to the other neighborhood families? Couldn't there be spiritual blessings that God wants to manifest in your life? Couldn't that be something that he's much more interested in than simply making our lives easier and more comfortable? If we look at Matthew chapter 5, it certainly seems that way, right? Jesus isn't like, blessed are those who get that raise, that bonus. Blessed are those who get the bigger car. No, that doesn't seem to be what he's interested in. In the biblical sense, there's a biblical definition of being blessed. Being blessed means having a pervasive sense of well-being despite what my material circumstances may be like. It does not mean getting everything you want or, that it, or does it mean everything comes easily. It means that my innermost being, I can say, it is well with my soul. What I have is enough. What I don't have is not needed for happiness and contentment. But this idea of blessedness is in direct contrast to what most American religions believe about blessing, right? And this twisted kind of thinking about blessings isn't simply limited to individuals. Organizations and Christian religious organizations fall into this thinking too. Um, Growing up around the Christian church world, I often heard someone say something like that. Whoa, that church has a thousand people. They must be doing something right. They must have God's blessing on them, right? They must be blessed by God. Maybe. In American Christianity, big equals right, big equals blessed. It was often expressed like this. If you were good and the thing was good, the thing you were leading would be big. Being big and being good were synonymous in the American Christian ministry landscape. Of course, over the last few years, right, what have the headlines told us? Just because you're big doesn't mean you were good. 
Um, we've seen some of the biggest Christian ministries suffer embarrassing revelations about leaders at best being cruel, manipulative, and abusive, and at worst being systematic sexual predators. What they led was big, but they were certainly not good. They had huge budgets and huge impacts, but not because God was blessing them on behalf of their leaders. Sometimes we can immediately think if something's big, it's blessed. Not necessarily. This bent mindset about what it means to be blessed is at work through nearly every level of the American Christian religion. I remember sitting down with a leader in the church planning network that helped us start Horizon here, and uh, he was looking at the size of our church, our average attendance, our average giving each year, and he's like, I don't know if you're called to be a church planter, because if God called you, it would be bigger. I'm like, do you think God ever calls people to small things? He's like, no. God only calls us to big things. Um, I don't think that's true. I don't think that that fits in with Jesus' thinking in the Beatitudes. Another leader in the same network once asked me if I had a secret sin keeping my ministry small. Because obviously, if you're good, your ministry would be bigger. And yet we see all these ministries that are huge, and the people in charge had huge sins they kept behind the scenes. Now, this thinking is very American, but it's not very Christian in the sense that it's not very Christ-like. Jesus talked about having faith the size of a mustard seed, not an impressive amount, a tiny amount, a minuscule offering in the grand narrative of things. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament, one of my favorite verses, Zechariah 4.10 says, Don't despise the day of small beginnings. God loves to see things start small. Sometimes blessing can be in small things, not just big flashy things. Um, the Old Testament is full of prophets who faithfully presented a message that most people rejected. They had ministries that would be deemed failures by American standards simply because they were faithful. Now, all that to be said, we can't assume that big is a sign of God's blessing. And we can't assume that it's a sign of God's blessing on the behavior of ministry leaders. Neither can we assume that small is a sign of God's judgment. On the behavior of ministry leaders drawing a crowd is never the biblical equivalent of being a success in god's eyes and if we're not careful we'll look at things in our life and we'll be like i'm clearly not blessed here because i don't have this or it's not this big or it doesn't look like this i think what jesus one of the things jesus is trying to teach us here is sometimes you're blessed and you don't think it you are these arbitrary definitions that big equal blessed and small equals judged by god they never work overseas, right? They only work in America. Like, we would never go to a church meeting in a basement in Iran and be like, you have four people huddled together in a basement reading the Bible and praying? Failure. Like, why aren't you growing? Why isn't that thing bigger? Where's your ministry? Your budget is $20 a month? Oh my gosh, like, get with it. Get bigger, right? If our ideas of Christianity only work in a Western environment, they are not Christian because Christianity is global, not Western. We need to reframe our thinking. As America becomes increasingly post-Christian, the American way we have thought about church will continually come into conflict with what Jesus actually said and taught and was like. Our American way of thinking about church will increasingly come into conflict with Jesus himself. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, if it comes down to being like America or being like Jesus, whose side do I want to be on? Does America and Jesus define blessed the same way? No. 
They define it very differently. I want to define the word blessing like Jesus does, like the authors of the Old and New Testament would. And I think correctly understanding how to define blessing will help us figure out how to ask for a blessing, how to position ourselves to be blessed. Church tradition calls this section that we read today the Beatitudes, which comes from Latin, and it means supreme blessing, most blessedness. Cast is $5. A pandemic continues raging. People keep getting it. Um, there's wars and threats of wars. Our world is in a constant global crisis, it feels like. I don't know about you, but in this moment, I'd like to be blessed. I'd like a blessing from God because things are hard and sometimes they're scary and I'm anxious and I'm afraid and I would like to be blessed. But after reading the Beatitudes, it, it seems at first glance like, is Jesus saying suffering is the ultimate blessing? Oh, I don't want that, right? I don't think that's what he's saying. Ultimately, his rule and reign, he promises to take away all sickness and death and pain and disease and he's not going to take away all blessing. He's not saying suffering only comes from blessing. Jesus is not saying the path of blessing to blessing is always through suffering. He's not even calling these bad things good. You're not like, I got cancer, hashtag blessed. That's not what he's saying. Instead, he is saying we can experience blessing despite the unpleasant circumstances in our lives. We can experience blessing despite the world crises that invade our headlines because he offers the blessings of an inner peace that goes beyond the material comfort and ease that we so often associate with our happiness. In our Western affluent culture, it's easy to assume that blessing means things are easy. I'm blessed if everything just goes my way. All the lights turn green. I found a parking spot, you know, things just go my way. We associate blessing with feeling lucky. In one sense, what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes is that the poor, the hungry, and the outcast, who are usually excluded from everything in the first century, are the people who he welcomes first into his kingdom. What he's saying, starting out his manifesto on what it means to live with him as king, he's saying, these are the people that I'm inviting to be in my kingdom. These are the people that I want to follow me. These are the people that I am recruiting and I am desiring. And so sometimes if you feel like, man, everything always goes against me, I'm always a failure, like I've got all this stuff stacked against me, Jesus is like, that's the kind of person I'm looking for. That's the kind of person I want. That's my first pick. Anybody ever uh, play sports in school where they pick teams on the playground? Always picked last. I was the fat kid who fumbled everything that I held. I still occasionally just drop things for no apparent reason. Nobody wanted me on their team. I was always the last picked for everything. It would be like, can we pick the teacher? Like, can we pick the janitor? Can we pick that stranger on the street? Anybody but Alex. And what Jesus is saying is, those are the people that I pick first. In the first century, a king would try to win the favor of the rich and powerful. Jesus is saying that kingdom people, the people that he's recruiting, are the brokenhearted, the misfits, and the persecuted. This is good news. The kingdom of God is for the least of these. Jesus is teaching that you and I can be blessed despite the outward circumstances of our life. Now, Darby and I have tried for years and years and years to be parents. And the years keep adding up. I keep add, having to add more and more years when I talk about this. 
and obstacle after obstacle has prevented it. And it's easy sometimes to start to think like either the universe or God, some time traveler, somebody's out there trying to prevent me from having kids, you know? Uh, I don't know what it is. When someone posts on social media that they're pregnant again with the hashtag blessed, I can't help but feel like maybe I'm hashtag cursed. You know? Maybe it's not pregnancy for you. Maybe it's something else. And you see somebody and you're like, their kids all turned out right. How come not mine? Like they got the job promotion. How come not me? How come this and not me? I feel a little hashtag cursed. In first century Israel, being blessed, they thought it meant being rich and powerful and healthy. Not so different than what we think. So much so that when the disciples saw a blind man in John 9, chapter 2, they were like, so Jesus, who sinned so this man was cursed, this man or his parents? And Jesus is like, neither. That's not how God works. In their thinking, blessed meant healthy and cursed meant sickness. In this broken way of thinking blessed, they thought blessing meant getting what I want and cursed means not getting what I want. This may be the most important thing I say in this sermon this morning. Here it is. We often mistake blessing for a greater sense that we are in control of our own destinies. We often mistake being cursed for having to trust God more. God blesses you most when he insists that you trust him most. Not when you're most in control, when he's most in control. That's when you're positioned to receive the greatest blessing from God. In reality, God's primary goal is to get us to become like his son, through a series of circumstances that encourage us to develop an ever-expanding trust in him. Jesus is teaching that you and I can have challenging life circumstances, and that doesn't mean God has abandoned us or ignoring us or cursing us. It might even mean that we are blessed. You, you are not cursed because you have it harder than someone else right now. It might mean he is using unusual means to bring a sense of well-being to a deeper level of your soul. Listen to how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this passage. We've got it up here on the screen. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his role. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you work up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get inside, you get your inside world, your heart and your mind put right. Then you see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of how to compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close to comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even for though they don't like it, I do and all of heaven applauds. And you know that you are in good company. My prophets and my witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. So we're starting to develop a biblical definition of blessed. It looks very different than our cultural definition, our social media definition. It is a sense of well-being that regardless of what is happening to me, at my innermost level, I am well 
off. I am solid and secure because my citizenship belongs in Jesus's kingdom. It's a pervasive sense of well-being despite my material circumstances. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want a sense that no matter what happens to me, I am settled and secure because I built my life on the rock that is King Jesus. I don't want to be emotionally tossed around by every cable news headline and whatever new war, disease, or market downturn is coming. I don't want to be jealous of every social media post of someone who has something a little bit better than I do. I want to be unhurried and at peace like Jesus was. I want to be blessed. I want to find in Jesus a sufficiency that satisfies my deepest longing. And that's the primary blessing that Jesus wants to give me and you, and he wants to give our community, and our city, and world. He wants to make us like himself so our emotions are not a raging sea, but a peaceful calm that are not constantly rocked by every disturbance to our life and schedule, but instead we find our security in him. He wants to get rid of that low-grade anxiety that creeps into our hearts and heads. He wants to give us a blessing that's worth way more than a promotion or a new car. He wants to bless us with peace and joy, things that money can't buy. So how do we get blessed? I just did a quick word study in the Bible. I'm like, what does the Bible say about being blessed? How do we position ourselves to experience blessing? Deuteronomy 28.2 says, All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey Yahweh your God. Jeremiah 17.7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Genesis 12.3, I will bless those who bless you. Luke 11.28, And he said, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. They do it. Proverbs 22, 9, he who is generous will be blessed. Revelation 1, 3, blessed is the one who hears and reads these words. James 1, 2, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Psalms 118, 26, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And many, many verses who repeat these same themes. So how do we get blessed? Well, if we look at these verses and others that copy these same ideas, we obey we trust, we bless others, we hear the word of God and do it, we are generous, we read and heed the word of God, we persevere in trials, and we go in the name of God wherever we go. Being blessed by God is not a magic eight ball where you wake up in the morning and you shake it and he's like, not today, just stay in bed, it's going to be a rough one. Anybody see Noodles, the little pug dog on TikTok? And Noodles is like this really old pug, and some mornings he wakes up, and uh, the owner's like, Noodles, is it a Bones Day or a No Bones Day? Because some days he's just like yellow and he can't move. And some days he gets up and he's like, oh, he has bones. And so he, every morning he gets on TikToks, he posts videos, and he's like, it's a Bones Day, guys. He's up and about. Like, go for it. It's a good day. That's not how God is. God isn't like, you're highly favored today. And then the next day you shake the magic eight ball and he's like, no. Don't buy a lottery ticket today. You are not blessed. God wants to bless us. He has clearly outlined how we can be blessed. The question is, do we value his blessing enough to put effort into being blessed? I think most people want to be blessed without doing any effort, any work, without any change, without changing anything in their life. They're like, God, just do it. Like, don't make me do anything. God wants to be in partnership with us. He wants to do things together. Are we making ourselves a target for God's blessing by doing the things he says he will bless? 
are we avoiding these things and then complaining about a like, lack of blessing as if God is withholding something we are actively trying to avoid? Right now, if you're facing something hard, guess what? Most of humanity is too. If you're not, you probably will be. And if you're not, you probably have been. That doesn't mean you're cursed. That doesn't mean you're not blessed. Sometimes God wants to bless us deepest in the places we least like being. We're going to pray, and I just want you right where you are. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your head, but say this with me. Jesus, if you are my king, I am safe and secure in your kingdom. Just start your day this week by saying that to yourself. Jesus, if you are my king, I am safe and secure in your kingdom. Your safety and security is not based on the economy or on the military. It's not based on uh, diseases and whatever. Your safety and security is based in him. And despite what may happen to us, we can find in him a pervasive well-being in our soul. That despite our circumstances, we can have hope and peace and joy. Jesus, we ask for your blessing. We ask that you will bless the people listening to this, the people listening online, the people here. We ask that you will give them a sense of your presence and your love, that you will grant them peace and joy, that they will have a pervasive sense of well-being because you are their king. If you never made Jesus your king, I invite you today to sing Lord Jesus. Forgive us for so often anxiously uh, fearing what may come next instead of thankfully seeking your presence because that's when we're reassured that we're safe and we're secure in you. God, I pray that you will bless Horizon. today that you will remind us of